greet two or three people, give them a high five. If you don't know the person next to you, introduce yourself. What up, Cooper? I got Cooper bringing the table. I got Gabe bringing the, the other table. Golly. Hey, Brittany, can you throw me that water right there? <whistles> Boom. That'd be awesome. Set, huh? Oh, you're supposed to throw it. Don't, don't throw it at me. Well, what up, church? How we doing today? We feeling good? That's what I'm talking about. We're, we're warming up. Um, you know, the, the, it's raining outside, but it's okay. Hey, let me uh, hit a couple housekeeping things really quick. The, the first one is this. Kick the cord off the stage because I'm... ADD like that? Uh, the first one is this. Hey, our men's retreat. Last week, we mentioned our men's retreat. That is August the 4th through the 6th. So we put it out there. We told you to scan the QR code. We have about 55 beds in the room. Uh, really, there's 50 beds, and we can squeeze some air mattresses in there. So we have about 55 spaces. Now, here's the reality. 49 men have already signed up. So if you, I mean, that's something to be excited about. Listen, if, if you're interested in going, please scan the QR code. It'll work from where you're sitting right now. I promise you they'll leave it up there. But just let us know if you're even interested in going that way. We know kind of what we're working with. And, and up next, we have the ladies' retreat coming up June the 9th through the 11th. Ladies, I think you have about 40, 45 beds in the room. And you're over, I know you're over 30. I think you're like 38, 39 right now. Oh, crap, you're at 41. So there's four more spots left for the ladies. So if you're interested at all, make sure you uh, scan that QR code right now. Why do we do this? We, we do it because we truly believe in what we preach. I've been preaching generations. This is going to be week eight of our generations series. So I, I'm excited for that. But that's why we do retreats like this, because generations matter. So make sure that you're signing up for that. This is our last week of Generations, but before we get started, man, I, I would be amiss if I, I didn't mention what's going on in Ukraine. There's no doubt that there's tragedy in the world. There's no doubt that there's war in the world, but, but this is what I know. The gospel message still rings true. And what I know is that we can't get comfortable just sitting here because it's not affecting us yet. We can't just get comfortable and go, oh, I just came to church on Sunday and I'm just going to go back to my day-to-day -day life. It's important for us to continue to talk about Jesus in society. Don't be a comfortable Christian. Don't be a Christian that just consumes and consumes and consumes. Don't be someone that just comes to a church on a Sunday morning to check the box and go, okay, well, I'm taken care of. I'm not really going to worry about anybody else. I Man, let's continue to pray for our brothers and sisters and pray that, that the war would stop. So we're, we're kicking off, or, or wrapping up generations rather, and, and let me give you kind of the synopsis of where we're going or where we've been. If you haven't been with us, the past seven weeks we've been in our generation series, and, and at the beginning of each week I've kind of given you a highlight of the previous weeks. Many of you, if you've been here all eight weeks, you can probably say verbatim what I'm about to say, but we kicked off in, in Genesis chapter 12 in week one. And we recognize that God's promises are for all generations, but it takes all the generations working together to receive all the promises of God. Now, inevitably, God will call you out of your comfort zone. In week two, we dove into that just a bit. And when you're called out of your comfort zone, a couple things change. Seasons can change and relationships can change. And we recognize that when we looked at Genesis chapter 13. And, and when seasons change and, and relationships change, you can live one of three ways. Right? You can live a close-handed, selfish life. You can live a backhanded, bitter life. Or you can live an open-handed life that says, God, you know what? I'm going to steward whatever you place in front of me. And then we stepped into week three. God promised, but it's not what I see. 
Anybody ever been there in the room? You felt like you heard something from God in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. And for some reason, what you thought you heard, you're not actively seeing. And we dove down that rabbit trail just a bit. And we recognize that scripture says that God's promises are good even sometime later. In week four, stop becoming the victim and keep your eyes on the destination. Week five, what does all the land really mean? We dove in a bit that week and we we recognize that we're called to take the message to the streets. That we're called to get in the trenches with one another through the good, through the bad, and through the ugly. Listen, whatever, whatever life throws at us, we're called to get in the trenches with one another. I teased our next family day. Uh, it's April the 17th. That's Easter. And, and what have we challenged you? We've challenged you to be bringers. Uh, what does that really mean? Here, here, this is just my language. Listen, if you invite somebody to church, that's a cop-out. All right? If you invite somebody, it's like, oh, I invited that person, but they didn't come, but I invited them. That, that kind of puts the ownership back on them, so it gives you an out. But when you become a bringer, ain't no excuse. You either brought them or you didn't. And I know there's many people in the room that you've brought people here today. Some of you in this room are a product of, of, of being brought to this church. Be a bringer. Week number six, do you trust God's timing? Through the good, through the bad, and through the ugly, do you truly trust God's timing? Week seven, last week, you already have it. Genesis chapter 17. Who are you called to be? See, who you're called to be is already inside of you. Your destiny is already inside of you. Your divine design is already inside of you. Your calling is already inside of you. By the way, before, before I go any further, I said this in our prayer rally today. I'm going to say it again. Um, I used an illustration last week of losing stuff, like losing keys and losing your cell phone, losing chapstick, whatever you lose. Did anybody else in this room feel like they lost stuff 10 times more this week? Thank you for being honest. I was so mad, like, I was so mad that my illustration was preaching to me. I was like, nah, that shouldn't happen that way. I shouldn't lose stuff the week after I talk about losing stuff. I w- Anybody else want to be honest and get it off your chest? You lost a lot of stuff this week? Nope, everybody's just liars. Okay, that's fine. But, like, I, I lost my phone. I lost my AirPods. I lost my keys. I was so mad. I was looking for my phone this week. I was like, where in the world is my phone? It was in my back pocket. I literally wanted to take my phone and throw it up against it. Like, I was, I was, that, I was that agitated. But I, I, lost, I lost everything this week. God promised Abraham generations in Genesis chapter 12, going back eight weeks ago. So, so let me start off with that theme verse, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you're taking notes, write it down. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. This is God talking to Abram. Drop down to verse number 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to you and your descendants. And Abram built an altar there, and he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west And Ai to the east, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. So so what did God promise? Go all the way back. God promised Abraham generations and descendants. It was the promise of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And, And we recognize that the promises of God are bigger than any one generation. But it takes all the generations working together to receive all the promises of God. It's the fullness of the fire going all the way back to week one regardless of the age in the room. Listen, it's about the coals working together. 
that 55 plus community in the room, that seasoned community in the room. You have a part in the kingdom of God. It's about the fuel of the fire. Anyone between the ages of 30 to 55, you have a part in the kingdom of God. It's about anyone under the age of 30 in the room. You have a part in the kingdom of God. Your time isn't next. Your time is now. It's about you doing what God has called you to do to expand the kingdom. And remember, this isn't just an Old Testament promise. This isn't just an Old Testament blessing. We connected the dots to Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ... You are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham now belongs to you. So so anyone in the room that has a relationship with Jesus, that promise that Abraham got, it belongs to you. Matt, that promise belongs to you. Ashley, that promise belongs to you and your descendants. You're about to have a kid in like six weeks. It belongs to you. Sam, it belongs to you. Darius, that promise belongs to you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it belongs to you. But this is where my brain can't compute sometimes. I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. But there's some big jumps that have to be made. I mean, think about it. It's a big jump from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob and from Jacob to 12 sons and from 12 sons to Israel and from Israel to to all believers. Fast forward to February 27, 2022. For those of you who don't know what today is, that's today. Now it belongs to us. That promise has been passed down from generation to generation. So I, I started, asking, started asking some questions. If the jump is made, how, how does this really happen? How is, how is responsibility really passed from generation to generation? How is the mission passed from generation to generation? How is ownership passed from generation to generation? In, in essence, how is the torch passed? How's the torch passed? If I had to title this message something today, I, w- I would title it, Pass the Torch. P- pass the Torch. The older I get, the more I realize that it's not about just the race that I run. M- my teenage years, my early 20s, my mid-20s, maybe even into my, my later 20s, now that I'm approaching my mid-30s, you know, I've left foolish ways behind me. Not one bit. But honestly, the, the, older, the older that I get, the more I realize it's not just about my race. See, it used to be about my race. It used to be about Zach Witt. It used to be about how I can get the promotion. It used to be about how I could build the business or how I could get a new title because I feel like I had leadership. I felt like I had leadership inside of me. So I just want to display the leadership that God has placed inside of me, right? Like, like I was always striving for something. But, but the older I get, the more I realize that the race that I run is about receiving the torch from the generation before me so that I can immediately pass it to the generation to come. So see, if we're not pouring into youth, if we're not pouring into college students, then what are we really doing? I'm not building my kingdom. I'm not building Zach's church. I'm building the kingdom of God. And if we can't get it in our mind that we should, be, we should continuously pass from generation to generation to generation, then we've already missed it. We've already missed it. And here's, it's a weird concept for the Western culture because the, the U.S. of A. is the most individualistic country on the planet. Take a look at Hofstede's study in the index of individualism. So you see the, the screen behind me. Take a look at the top right-hand corner. What do you see? The USA. Well, we're the most individualistic country on the planet. What does that mean? It means that I'm going to worry about me. It means that I'm going to do what's best for me. This is how I feel. 
It's my perception. My perception is now my reality, and my perception has to become your reality. Why? Because it's my perception. And I'm an individual, and you have to think like I think. I'm right, and everyone else is wrong. This is my world. This is Zach Witt's world. All y'all are just living in it. Right? Like, that's, that's the way that the U.S. approaches life, but a life committed to following Jesus isn't about what the individual can get out of it. A life following Jesus is about passing the torch. Passing the torch. Where, where do we see the torch pass? We see it in the Olympic Games, right? So, so think all the way back. The first recorded games was held in 776 B.C., and in 1936, there was this tradition that kind of started where they would light the torch in Olympia, and then they would run it to wherever the games were being held. And we see the torch pass. We're just familiar with the torch being passed in the Olympic Games. But let me read what one historian wrote. The torch relay does not represent the passing of a torch, huh? but celebrates the passing of the sacred flame from one torch to the next. The Olympic flame symbolizes the light of spirit, knowledge, and life by passing the flame from one person to another in stages. Now catch this. The torch relay expresses the handing down of this symbolic fire from what? From generation to generation. It's not about kicking off the Olympic Games. It's not about what we get to watch on TV, but it's about passing on from generation to generation to generation. So, so what we learn about passing and stepping into the fullness of generational, generational blessing is this. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Passing the torch takes sacrifice. Passing the torch takes sacrifice. Genesis chapter 23, that's where we're going to hang out a little bit today. So if you have your Bibles, we've gone all the way from Genesis 12. We've been working for eight weeks. Now we're in Genesis chapter 23, Genesis chapter 23, starting in verse 1. When Sarah was 127 years old, 100, she was a young 127. You wouldn't tell her she was old. She died at Kiriath Arabah in the land of Canaan. There Abraham mourned and he wept for her. So what was, what was the sacrifice? See, Sarah gave her yes. Remember, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, Abram and Sarai at the time before her name was changed left the land that they were comfortable in. They, they gave their yes and left their comfort zone. Many of you even coming to this church have left your comfort zone. Many of you in your day-to-day -day life have left your comfort zone. And then Sarah gave birth and ultimately she gave her life. And what we see in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16, is when someone dies, it invokes a transfer of inheritance. Make an asterisk in your notes there. I'm going to get back to that at the end. But think back for a moment. What sacrifices have been made for us? What sacrifices have been made for you? Now, now when I think of sacrifices, I think of my family, right? Like many of us probably do. The first person that I think about is my grandfather. Again, for those in the South, my papa. Like that, that's who I think about. When he was a kid, he would tell me stories all the time. And, and y'all have probably heard stories like this from your grandparents or your parents. And, and, and he said that they had, they had 12 people in the house. It was a two-bedroom house. And they were so poor that they had holes in their floors where they could see the chickens running under the house. They, did, they, didn't, have, they didn't have running water. I almost fell on that carpet. Uh, they didn't have running water. They had an outhouse. You know, they, they didn't really have anything. But my grandfather sacrificed over and over and over again to the point where he got married. And then he sacrificed for my mama and my dad. And I remember, I remember my mom and dad sacrificing for me as a kid. And, and they would give us everything that they could. Now, this is where my, my life got a little, a little rocky, a little shaky. My parents got divorced two days before I started high school. 
So two, two days before ninth grade. And this is the way the shakedown went. My dad got the house. My dad got the land. My dad got the businesses. They were casinos, so my dad kept those. My, my dad got absolutely everything. He got the cars. He got everything, all the assets. My mom got me and my sister. And that's what my mom got. Now, my dad paid child support. My dad, my dad took care of us, but my mom, and my mom sacrificed. I, I, remember, I remember moving from the middle of 70 acres, about a 3,000-square-foot house, the four-wheelers, the, the mopeds, the boats, the pond. I mean, I mean, we lived out in the middle of the woods. It was like a dream. I, I moved from that, and in an instant, I moved to a single-wide trailer for four years that was basically falling in because it was all my mom could afford. And I remember her sacrifice. My mom, my mom was a waitress. And, and I would remember the good days and I would remember the bad days. But, but every, every time my mom came home, whether she, she made 15 or, or 20 bucks that day or, or maybe it was a busy day and she made a couple hundred bucks, whatever she made, the change, the change always went in a jar that was similar to this. It was a little bigger but the same shape. The change went to, to a jar. Oh, don't cry. And I remember, I remember the sound of the change when it, would, when it would hit the bottom of the glass. Well, Zach, if she put change in it every day, then, then didn't it eventually fill up? No. Because sometimes... About every other week, she had to empty it out. And we sat in the middle of the floor and we pulled out all the quarters just so she would have enough gas to get us to school. Pulled out all the dimes because at, le at least we could get a couple more bucks from the dimes. Now, when it got down to the pennies, we knew we were, <laughs> we knew we were in trouble. Saltine crackers and ketchup. Like, that's what we were eating for dinner when we were down to the pennies. But I remember, I remember the sacrifices that she made. Now, I remember, I remember when she had uh, a couple of those, those good days at work, and e every now and then, like, a couple bucks would get slipped into the jar. Like, it wasn't just changed. Like, it was a good day if you could slip, like, a five into the jar because all the bills were paid. And, and on, those, on those weekends, we would empty it out. We would sit in the floor, and my mom would say, hey, we're going to McDonald's today. Now, for those of you who have been to McDonald's, y'all, anybody ever got a big breakfast? Y'all know what a big breakfast is? That's the pancakes, the eggs, the bacon, the sauces, and you get a hash brown? Like, that's a good breakfast. And, and I remember those days, and I remember walking into McDonald's, and, and I would be all excited, like, today I get to get a big breakfast. And my mom would look at me every now and then. She goes, hey, hey, Zach, you can get two hash browns today. Like, I remember those sacrifices, and I know a hash brown doesn't seem like much, but I remember those sacrifices, and, and it made me who I am today because of the sacrifices that someone made for me. I, I remember that burgundy 1994 Taurus that my mom drove around in. It was burgundy on the outside. It was burgundy on the inside. It wasn't cream on the inside, cream on the outside. I'm glad I got some laughs out of that. Y'all heathens listening to that music. <laughs> some of y'all are like, I don't know what that song is good. <laughs> No, but I, I, re I remember my mom's sacrifices. I, I remember the sacrifices of, of 36 individuals four and a half years ago that decided to plant Multiply Church. Like, I, re I remember the sacrifices. What about you in the room? I can talk about mine over and over and over again, but what about the sacrifices that somebody made in your life? Y'all know I like to do this, so I'm going to step down off the stage, but, but if I walked around the room and I said, Sam, like, 
you don't have to answer me, but, but if I said, Sam, like, who's made sacrifices for you? You can immediately start thinking about the sacrifices. Paul, if I said, hey, who, who's made sacrifices for you? You can immediately start thinking about the sacrifices. Chaz, like, what about your sacrifices? I, I, I wonder who the oldest person is in the room. Anybody want to be so bold to say they're the oldest person in the room? I just looked away from the person who I thought might be the oldest person in the room. <laughs> Nobody wants to be so bold to say they're the oldest person in the room? Well, I'll skip past that illustration then. But, but what if I stood in front of you and I said, hey, what, what are the sacrifices that someone made in your life? Well, what I love about our church is I can look around the room and I can see generations around the room. We're not just going to preach about generations. We are a church of generations. So, so I, can, I can look at the Brocks and I can know that there's about three generations represented in this room. Well, in this room and in, in, in kids. I, I can see the Provenzanos around the room and I, and I know that there's generations at the church. I can look around the room and I can see the Hudsons. I can look around the room and I can see the Sanchezes. I can, I can look around the room and I can see the generations that, that have a representation here. What's beautiful about that, many of you can look across the room and you can see the individuals that have made sacrifices for you. Who's made sacrifices in your life to get you to where you are? What sacrifices are we making for the generations to come? Hey, if you're taking notes, write this down. What I, what I know about passing the torch is this. There's a cost to passing the torch. Generations, or Genesis chapter 23, verse 3. Then, leaving her body, he said to the Hittites, so Abraham, leaving her body, he said to the Hittite elders, here I am, a stranger and foreigner among you. Please sell me a piece of land so that I can give my wife a proper burial. The Hittites replied to Abraham, listen, uh, listen, my Lord, you are an honored prince among us. Choose the finest of our tombs and bury her there. No one here will refuse to help you in any way. Then Abraham bowed very low before the Hittites and said, since you are willing to help me in this way, be so kind as to ask Ephron, son of Zahar, to let me buy his cave at Machpelah, down at, the end of his, at, down at the end of his field, and I will pay full price in the presence of witnesses, so I will have a permanent burial place for my family. Verse 10, Ephron was sitting there among the others, and he answered Abraham, as the others listened, speaking publicly before all the Hittite elders of the town, No, my Lord, he said to Abraham, please listen to me. I will give you the field and the cave here in the presence of my people. I give it to you. Go and bury your dead. Abraham again bowed low before the citizens of the land. And he replied to Ephron as everyone listened. No, listen to me. I'll buy it from you. Let me pay the full price for the field so that I can bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, my Lord, please listen to me. The land is worth 400 pieces of silver. But what is it between friends? Go ahead and bury your dead. So Abraham agreed to Ephron's price and paid the amount he had suggested 400 pieces of silver weighed according to the market standard. The Hittite elders witnessed the transaction. If you're reading scripture, sometimes you can read that story and go, all right, that's cool. He bought a piece of land. But, but let's dive into it a, a little deeper. Why would Abraham pay for something that was offered to him for free? See, he, he had to bury his, his wife. But when Abraham bought that cave in his time of mourning, he had no idea what it would become. One theologian writes this, Nathan McDonald suggests that the acceptance of a gift rather than the engaging uh, of a legal purpose or purchase establishes a situation of obligation and future reciprocity. So if Abraham didn't buy the land, 
if he just received the land for free. Generations later, someone possibly could have taken it back because it was never purchased. And they could have said it was never paid for. It belongs to my family. But Abraham, in front of witnesses, paid for it in full. Y'all, this is about, it's about to get good. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. It's about to get good. It's like the part of the movie where you're like on the edge of your seat. So only, only God could write this. See, Abraham buys this land in this cave around 2000 B.C., Nearly a thousand years later, that was the exact place that David was crowned king before he stepped into Jerusalem. So, so think about this. Fourteen generations later, David steps into his moment. David's crowned king. He steps into his... It's not when he was anointed king. Remember, he was anointed king, and then he was chased by Saul. Saul tried to kill him for years. But then, then he was crowned king in the same place that Abraham bought the land. It's the same lineage. It's the same heritage. It's the same generation after generation after generation. So David's crowned king. David steps into his calling. David steps into his destiny. David steps into his divine design. Where? In Hebron. All the generations. So 2 Samuel chapter 5, Then all the tribes of Israel went down to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people. You will be Israel's leader. Verse 3, so there at Hebron, where Abraham bought the land, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel. And they anointed him king of Israel. So let's see how far this rabbit hole goes. That's a matrix. Never mind, if y'all didn't watch the matrix. Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. So the whole number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon is 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah is 14 generations. Okay, back up, Zach. You're going too fast. Let's ask a few questions. What if Abraham hadn't paid the full price? Again, that land could have potentially been taken away from him. What if in a moment of suffering and loss, he would have given up and said, this isn't worth it? What if in a moment of suffering and loss, Abraham looked and said, you know what? I'm going back to my comfort zone. I'm going back to where I came from. At least I was comfortable there. But Hebron wasn't the final promise. It was just the down payment of the promise. It was just a down If I get the band to go ahead and come back up. See, we don't really understand down payments anymore. Why? Because we just, we just swipe a card and we just get what we want. Right? We, we swipe this debit card, we swipe this credit card, and, and in our culture, in our society, too many people walk into a rent-to-own type of place, pay $6,000 for a $2,000 couch, and by the time they pay the couch off, it's time to get another couch. That's where I should get an amen, like, you know what I'm saying? But let me, let me take a step back, one, one more step back. Go all the way back to week one. Let me talk to that seasoned generation in the room. That's how we started the, ser- or the, the, the series. I started talking to the Coles. Remember, I had everybody in the room stand up if you were over the age of 55. I'm not going to have you do it now. But I had everybody in the room, if you were over the age of 55, I asked you to stand up. That's how we started the series. Uh, let, let me talk to the Coles for, for just a second. See, some of you have made incredible sacrifices. M- many of you are the established generation. You, you've, made, you've made the sacrifices. You've paid the price. But you feel like you haven't seen the fullness of what you've paid for. 
Now, now here's what I know. Most of us will never really see the fullness of what we paid for. This is the kind of stuff, this is the kind of stuff that I think about when I read scripture. Could you imagine, 14 generations later, could you imagine the moment that David walked up to Abraham when he got to heaven? And he says, thank you. Hey, thank you for buying the land because where you bought the land, that's where I was crowned king. And that's, that's where I stepped into my destiny. That's where I stepped in, that's where I stepped into my calling. Could you imagine the day that you get to heaven and some, someday, someday, your great, 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 drop it again, great, 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 grandkid walks up to you in heaven and says, hey, thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you, thank you for your sacrifices. Because the sacrifice that you made allowed me to step into my calling. I, I think, golly, man, I think back. I think back to the sacrifices. I, I think I can vividly remember counting the corners in the middle of the in the middle of our living room. Like, like I think back to going to McDonald's. I think back to the saltine crackers and ketchup for dinner, and my mom tried to get fancy and, and try to put some cheese on it, right? Like, it, it's all we had, but she made sacrifices. I think back to those moments. What sacrifices have you made? What sacrifices are you really willing to make when passing the torch, someone has to call next? Someone has to call next. Man, shame on me if my mom made those sacrifices and I squandered my life away. Come on. Shame on me if my, if my parents made those sacrifices and I said, you know what? I'm not going to step into the calling that God has for me. Are you squandering the sacrifices that someone's made for you? Or are you stepping into the fullness of who God has called you to be? Someone's got to call next. Anybody ever play pickup basketball? Like it's important to call next. Y'all go into a YMCA or, or some other type of gym and, and people are playing games and you're the new guy there. You can call next. Inevitably, this is what happens, especially if you're a little younger. If you're younger, you call next and, and when that game ends, you, you, like, you step onto the court. You're like, I'm expected to play, right? And then what happens? Some other knucklehead like comes in, oh, I got, I got next. So it, it, when I was growing up, this is when boys became men. Because you either said, you know what, you're right. You, you older than me, you bigger than me, you stronger than me. I'm going to sit right here. I got next, I guess, after him. Or, or you can say, uh-uh, no, it's my time. You can step onto the court and say, nope, I got next. Come on, Zach. I, I've got next. See, too many of us are just being passive. Yeah. Too many of us are saying, you know what, I'll let somebody else have next. I'll let somebody else reach my community. I'll, I'll let somebody else invite that person or bring that person to church. I'll let somebody else do it. I'm just going to cower in the corner. I'm just going to, Pastor, are you calling me a coward? I don't know. Are you sitting on the bench or are you getting in the game? What's your excuse? I'm tired of excuses. We're not going to be a people that, that live out of excuse. We're going to live out of action. We're going to live out of calling next. We're going to live out of, this is my time. This is the season that God has called me to. I've got next. So, so you can sit in the room and you can say, you know what, I guess, I guess somebody else, I guess somebody else can have next. Or we can keep, we can keep reading Genesis chapter 23, picking up in verse 17. So Abraham bought the plot of land that belonged to Ephron at Machpelah near Mamre. This included the field itself, the cave that was in it, and all the surrounding trees. It was transferred. Golly. It was transferred to Abraham as his permanent possession. 
in the presence of the Hittite elders at the city gate. Then Abraham buried his wife Sarah there in Canaan in the cave at Machpelah near Mamre, also called Hebron. So the field and the cave were transferred from the Hittites to Abraham for his use as a permanent burial place. Don't gloss over this passage. Catch what is happening. So the field and the cave were transferred from the Hittites to Abraham. Why? Because there was a sacrifice. Why? Because a price had been paid in full. There was a permanent transfer of deed. But, but what if no one claimed the inheritance? Well, what if no one called next? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and generations to come. But what if, what if Isaac didn't call next? What if Jacob didn't call next 14 generations? What if Judah didn't call next? What if Gideon didn't call next? What if Isaiah didn't call next? What if Jeremiah didn't call next? Matthew chapter 1 verse 17. So the whole number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon is 14 generations. See, it didn't stop. It didn't stop at Hebron. And it didn't stop when David was, was crowned king. I read to you 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 4. But let's play the what if game. What if, what if David didn't call next? What, what if Esther didn't risk her reputation and her life and call next? What, what if Daniel didn't take a stand for righteousness in a wicked Babylonian culture and call next? What if? What if 36 people didn't call next and plant a church in Lake Norman? What, what if six individuals didn't make a sacrifice to plant a church in Nicaragua here in two weeks. So, so let, let me get a little personal with it. Let me get personal. What if Jessica Clark didn't make the sacrifice to serve in our kids' ministry? What if she didn't call next? What if? What if somebody like people on our media team didn't call next? What if? What if Paul and Nicole didn't move down from New York? Hey, fun fact, uh, she's getting induced tomorrow and she's still playing the keys today. Today. So like, oh, I lied to you. She's getting induced at one o'clock today, not tomorrow. Everybody's like, she's an idiot. Why is she here? They didn't know it was today. They thought it was tomorrow. But, but what if y'all didn't call next? Amory, what if you didn't call next? Anwar, what if you didn't call next? Well, what happens if we, if we don't call next? So, let me, let me wrap this thing up. So who's got next? Who's going to step up to the plate? Who's going to plant another church out of this location? Who, who's going to start a group? Who's got next? Who, who's going to serve in the community? Who, who's got next? Who, who's going to give to the building project? Who, who's got next? But, but still, we have to make the, the jump from Genesis 12 to Galatians 3. I've been, I've been talking about it for eight weeks. It's the, it's the fulfillment of all of this. The, the fulfillment is in Christ. I, I, I mentioned Hebrews 9 that when someone dies, there's a transfer of inheritance. So someone had to die. Someone had to pay the price in full. Someone had to become the first fruits of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have, been, who have fallen asleep. So from Hebron to Jerusalem, the down payment was in Hebron, but we're headed towards Jerusalem. He Hebron is not our home. The, the earth is not our home. There's another Jerusalem. There's a new Jerusalem in the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we, we learn of this guy named Jesus who lived a blameless life, 
He was crucified on a cross. He was buried and he rose from the dead. Curtis Wise, buckle up. I'm going to talk about Revelation for just a second. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem. Church, it's a, it's a new Jerusalem. See, we're supposed to live in expectation of that day. Not, not just that Jesus lived and he lived a perfect life and he was crucified and he was buried and he rose from the dead so, so that our sins would be forgiven. We're not just to live for that. We're to live for the day that he's coming back. See, too often we stop the story. Now, the end of the story is he's coming back. The end of the story is there's a, a new heaven and new earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth on earth as it is in heaven so who so who has next who's got next hey here's the real question who's going to be bold enough to start standing in the room saying i got next see too often we say hey close your eyes bow your head raise your hand nah not today not today we're gonna be a little bold not today because today maybe there's someone in the room that says, you know what, I've got next. And you start standing up. Or maybe nobody stands up. But, but what I know is I got next. So who, el who else has next? So who, who has next? Because you, you can be shy and you can sit down or you can start to answer the call. And you can say, hey, Pastor, this feels uncomfortable. Good, because sometimes life gets uncomfortable. See, see, we're afraid to step into uncomfortable moments. We're afraid to step into something that makes us feel different on the inside. But who has next? As we step into worship, maybe you just say something like, God, I got next. God, I got next. chapter 3 verse 29 now that you belong to Christ but but maybe there's someone in the room that doesn't belong to Christ maybe you belong to the world maybe you belong to your past maybe you belong to your failure can I remind you of Genesis chapter 23 so the field and the cave were transferred from the Hittites to Abraham why because there was a sacrifice and because the price had been paid in full there was a permanent transfer of deed see this is the gospel message. It's what the whole Bible is about. See, you and I had the price of sin on our head. And, and then the guy named Jesus, when he was crucified on a cross, when he was buried, when he conquered hell, death, and the grave, and he rose from the dead, our price was paid in full. 
There was a transfer of deed. The, the transfer was, was the opportunity to step into eternal life. So, so maybe you're in the room. Say, Pastor, man, I need, I need that transfer. I need that transfer. I want to step into a relationship with Jesus. So all across this room, eyes are open, I don't even care. Hey, maybe that's you. On the count of three, just slip up your hand, we'll say a prayer together. One, two, three, if that's you, say, man, I just need, I just need that transfer deed. I just need to step into a relationship with Jesus. Wow. And then if we could say, if we could say this prayer collectively, can we say Jesus? Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you slipped your hand up and you said that prayer for the very first time, right outside these doors to the left, we have our wide awake and fully alive area. Listen, we want to get to know you and your story, but we want to help you on this journey of following Jesus. The prayer is the most important thing that you can do, but it's about walking with Jesus daily. Hey, I hope you enjoyed our Generation Series. Be back next week to start Crossover 2.0. We'll see you next week as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.